Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right, my name is Rachel Woody. I'm here with Don Graves, and it's June 14th, 2014, and we're in Dallasport, Washington at Graves Vineyards. And Don, my first question for you is why wine? Why wine? Why grape growing? Well, I got started in the grape business. I worked for Bonneville Power for 30-some years. And during that time, I met Dr. Clore from Washington State College. And he's the man who introduced the wine grapes to the Northwest. Very nice man, a very nice guy. Well, he got me interested in growing wine grapes. And we've established a about a half acre vineyard here in the late 50s and early 60s. And we just grew from that. All the wines we put in, all the varieties, did very well. And Dr. Clore thought this was an ideal setup for wine grapes, uh, a growing area for wine grapes. Um, and have just progressed since then. Expanded the vineyard and uh, I had 20 acres here of my own, and I got it all planted in grapes. Uh, I don't know what else I can tell you about the starting of it, but that's pretty much how it got started. And when I first got started, there weren't many wine home winemakers, and there weren't many wineries in the in the area. Uh, Chuck Henderson and I started this winery in Bingen, Bingen Wine Cellars, and we did very well for several years until Chuck wanted it all, and he owned more of it than I did, so he bought me out. And I just continued to work at Bonneville until, I don't know, I don't remember what year it was that I retired from there, but I just expanded my vineyard and uh, I never went back in the wine business because I had enough obligation or enough work to do at home here. We raised our children right here. 
Uh, we had five children and all very successful. Um, and they've been a big help to us and to me especially. I had three boys that just loved to work out in the vineyard. You know how that goes. But they, they did a good job and helped me considerable. And uh, we just expanded from that and continued on. I sold the wine to new wineries that came in and I had a lot of home winemakers that uh, loved to make good wine. And I, my object was to furnish them the best wines, best grapes that I could possibly do it. And it mm -hmm. turned out very well. Now, what else would I like to explain? What grapes did you start with? I started with Grenache. Mm. And they are very vigorous and very good growing grapes. But there was no demand for Grenache back 40 years ago. Um, there were no wineries that made the Grenache. But in the later years, I pulled many of the Grenache out and replanted with more popular varieties, the Cabernet and the Syrah and the Merlot were all in demand. But later on, now the Grenache is a very popular wine and it makes a very nice wine. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, it's hard to look down the road four or five years and know what's going to be in demand. Um, you can do all the reading you want about France and Italy and all the big wine countries, but that doesn't mean they're going to be popular here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. About 19... sixty-five, somewhere in those, uh, along in there, we took a trip over to France and Italy and went through their vineyards and uh, had a very educational program. Uh, some of those wineries were a hundred years old at that time and uh, we didn't have anything like that in this country at, the pred at that time. Mm -hmm. So, What was it like to start a vineyard? Did you have much experience before that? No, not in the uh, not. I was in the sheep business for many years before that. I graduated from Yakima High and this was when the war was just getting started and I was drafted in 19, 
21. But I, I joined the Air Force, and I was in the Air Force for five years during the war. Uh, but I didn't get in combat. I uh, did a lot of training in California, took pilot training and all sorts of helicopter or um, gliders. We didn't have any helicopters at that time. Uh, and then I just came back and I had this great desire. I like to work. That was kind of dumb, but that's what I did. And with Dr. Clore's knowledge of how to set up a winery and how to set up a vineyard, that's how I started from there. And uh, did most all the work, but I lived close to my job, and so I always had early morning and late evenings to work. And I had some boys that helped me considerable. And it had worked out quite well. How did you first meet Dr. Clore? You know, I'm not sure. I, I just can't remember that well back. I think but. Chuck told us that uh, Dr. Clore just found you two and convinced you to grow grapes. Does that sound? That's pretty much right, I think. But as I say, I can't remember the exact details on how I first met Dr. Clore. But he would come by quite often. And always full of knowledge. My wife has been a big help to me. She keeps, where is she? <laughs> she just wandered off. <laughs> just wandered off. Did but, she uh, help out in the vineyard too? Did, did she help out in the vineyard too? No, not so much in the vineyard, but of course I said we had five children and she was pretty busy all the time. Right. Taking care of that. And then she worked at the uh, school. What? She was a secretary to the administrator for, I don't know, good many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked out quite well. So I know it was you and Chuck for a long time. Do you remember who some of the other early grape growers were? Um, I think Cliff Blanchett, I've heard his name. Dong Flershinger. No, when I started this, there were no vineyards in this area. I couldn't go to my neighbors or anybody and see how things were done. There just weren't. There just weren't. There was one vineyard in the Dells. It was an old established. But 
I didn't like the way they did their training and one thing and another, and, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I didn't copy any of their methods. Well, it seems to have worked out for you. You have beautiful vines coming in. We saw them old well, and beautiful. Thank you. And we've, uh, I've tried to keep the um, yield down to about three to three and a half tons. Uh, and that's been about the average over the years. Uh, I got established with uh, several wineries that uh, used my grapes for many years. Uh, what are your thoughts on how the wine industry has changed since when you first planted to now? Well, the main thing I think is the knowledge of the wine drinkers. You know, the demand for good wines. Um, you know, 40, 50 years ago, uh, you mentioned drinking a bottle of wine or a glass of wine and, well, they turn up their nose. Now it's different. There's a big demand and they have, the public has became well educated on good wines. And uh, no, it, now this is pretty much the way it it was in France and Italy when we were there. They drank wine on every occasion, at meal time and mm -hmm. in between meals, and they just. And now America, there's a lot of that goes on today. One thing I've read in my research is World War II had a lot to do with Americans being exposed to European culture in the sense of drinking wine as part of the pleasure of the meal. Since you were in World War II, did you find that to be the case? Uh, no. I never was much of a boozer, but when I was in the service, there was a lot of drinking going on. But I, I don't remember drinking many wines, but I, I never got across, I never was over in the wine country. Mm, okay. So, uh, What else can I? I would love to hear more about the vineyard. Um, looking back, is there anything you would do differently or would you try something else out? What did you learn, I guess, from starting it, being one of the first to start? Well, it, I would have gone in bigger and taken on more properties if I would have known the wine industry would be going to expand like it had, you know. But I didn't have that foresight 
to see that you know vineyard is going to grow up all over mm -hmm. you know there's people up in the hills and Hood River and the Dells and Goldendale uh, now Walla Walla was the first area in the state to really get involved in the wine industry but we had some terribly terribly cold winters and it pretty well wiped them out mm. in 1949 it got to 25 below here I walked across the Columbia River here really yeah it froze wow yeah we lived at Lyle at that time and uh, anybody that didn't have, well, it, it, the weather was just so severe that it took out a lot of the cherries and a lot of the, and there were not any, but the Walla Walla area was hit the hardest on the grape, and they've never recovered that. They're, they're doing a, a good job now up in that area, but they went quite a number of years with, uh, without any grapes. Uh, it's kind of devastating when you get completely wiped out, mm -hmm. you know. Now, I don't know, um, don't foresee any uh, weather as severe as that, but we might. I, I just, I just don't know. Having spent so much time in this area, how have you seen it develop? Um, it's, it's always been a bit more agricultural focused. Do you think that will continue? Do you think grapes will be the primary agriculture eventually? Well, I think there'll be more and more vineyards go in. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever be the prime. Grapes are very popular in this area. Or did I say grapes? Yeah. I meant cherries. And that uh, seems to be a very good area for cherries and they have developed the markets all over the world for these cherries. Uh, Can I ask you another question about the vineyard? Sure. Um, you had mentioned before you were selling grapes to some of the bigger winemakers. Um, how did you go about finding buyers for your grapes, and how did you how did you get them to market? I guess what was that like? Well, once <clears throat> the first grapes that we made wine with went to the college. George Carter was a winemaker at Washington State College at Pullman. And they put out a lot of newsletters. 
Um, and more people became interested in wines, and I didn't have a tremendous amount. You know, I didn't start out with 40 or 50 tons by any means, but the knowledge of winemaking and good quality grapes was became more of an uh, well it would became more knowledgeable and uh, there were lots of magazines and lots of uh, articles on grapes that came out and more people became interested. You may not know the answer to this, but do you know why Dr. Clore was so interested in grapes? Well, he was a professor at the college. Now, I don't know much about his background, but he was hired there as a viniculturist at the college, and he had studied grape growing all over the world and uh, knowledge of winemaking and uh, just how he himself got interested in grapes, I, I don't know the answer to that. But uh, he was a very nice man, a very, very likable man. Yeah. I just find it fascinating that he seemed to seek you and Chuck out and sort of convince you to, to start growing grapes, which was kind of not a thing done out here at that time. At least not for a hundred years, I guess, with the, the pioneers. Yeah. Well, I really don't know the answer to that, but, uh, but I do know that Dr. Cora was very interested in the expansion of the wine industry in the Northwest. Hmm. He thought we had some of the best growing conditions and the best areas, uh, right amount of sunshine and the good soils and what it takes to grow good grapes. Hmm. Does that answer yeah, most all your... It does. In fact, are there any stories that you'd like to share with us or anything that I should have asked that I didn't? No. Not that I can think of. Fair enough. I, uh, over the years, I just tried to improve and grow the grapes up to the right um, analysis 
for making good wines. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out quite well. It's been very, you know, been very successful as far as I'm concerned, but uh, after I retired from Bonneville, that gave me more time to work in the vineyard. And uh, I did most all the pruning myself for the first few years, but now I don't. Well, I've run out of energy, I'm worthless, oh. you know. You get to that point in life. Do your sons help manage the vineyards now? Yes, my middle boy does. My oldest son, when he was just a, going to school and one thing or another, he was a good worker. He, but later on in life, he got into construction business, and then he went to Alaska, and he had an accident up there, which took his life. I'm sorry. He was, had been married, or he had married and had two children, two daughters, uh, but he was very, very successful in life. And the middle boy, Doug, which he lives across the road now, started a business there in Vancouver. And he lived just north of Vancouver. Uh, devil the name of that community. But anyhow, Doug was in, and he retired from that two or three years ago. And we deeded him some property and he built a very nice home across the street. And, uh, He's pretty well taken over the vineyard. He's, uh, he's a good worker, good head on him. He must have done something right. Yeah. And our youngest son lives in White Salmon. He works for PUD and he, he's 50, I don't know why, 50 some years old, about ready to retire. Yeah, he's been with them that long. And does a good job. And our daughter, our oldest daughter, lives right across the street, too. She is married to Tim Ernest. Hmm. Ernest Motors. Oh, okay. In the Dalles. But Robin has been a big help to us. She's a worker. She was no. During harvest and all times, why she was, she's right in the middle of it. So it all worked out quite well to have somebody that you could rely on and had some interest in it also. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, anything else? No, that's about best I can do. With well, what little... You did wonderfully, actually. I loved your answers. So thank you so much for your time. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. 
And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.